Triple H FM Sports in association with Atlas Chartered Accountants. The Post, Hornsby RSL and ISC Sports welcomes you to Splinters, your no-holds-barred sports podcast. And now here's your host, the Raging Bull, Anthony Caruso. Good evening and welcome to Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, triplehfm.com.au and wherever you get your podcasts, we do it all for Atlas Chartered Accountants, The Post, The Horns BRSL, ISC Sports and Business Plaza. Anthony the Bull Caruso with you and it's time to move from our previews of cricket to a review of of football. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, it's time to review the competitions that were for Football New South Wales for 2022. Probably the most exciting year that we have seen in the state league in sometimes four divisions to go through and soon to be three divisions. We're going to talk about what happened throughout the year and the implications it is going to have for next year. I can't do this alone, so joining us tonight is our Chief Football Correspondent, the Spicy Chorizo, Dom Rizzuto. Good evening to you. Good evening, Bull. It's good to be here once again. Um, What can I say? What a fabulous season of football that we had once again, and especially at a local level here in New South Wales. I had the pleasure of being involved in it in many different forms, and it was one of those seasons that, honestly, will be hard to replicate again because it was action-packed right down to the final day. Absolutely. Well, another one that is going to be joining us here tonight and had been all over Sydney in terms of covering football, our special guest from Hawk FM, Nick Kutnyak. Good evening to you. Bull Chorizo, what a fantastic season it's been. Football New South Wales, the men's competition have been outstanding. Of course, the women's competition, that's another podcast in a few weeks from now. But looking forward to ripping into what was a sensational season. And you know what was even better about it? What was that? Well, you're crying on the final day of the NPL men's season. But we'll get to that shortly. Oh, boy, that was – you know you get in for a special day when you get down to the last day and there are still championships to be decided. Anything can happen, and it usually does, and you only need to ask Manchester City what it's like to win with almost the final <laughs> kick of the game in any sort of competition. Uh, I had a drive-by, and guess what? You had a gun ready to go because you just had to say Man City. Yeah, absolutely. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we've got four divisions to go through today. A lot to get through in terms of football. In fact, too much football is never enough as far as we are concerned on Triple H Sports. So with that, the referee and the assistant referees are out in the middle now and all set for play. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Splinters. I'm going to start off with the main competition this t- this year the NPL competition for New South Wales for season 2022. And Dom, to start off with, we, we came into this competition seeing a, seeing the same 12 teams that we'd seen for the last couple of years, with the exception of probably the Sutherland Sharks, who dropped out, came back into the competition. And I've got to say, it was a competition for the ages. Yeah, absolutely. What a year, as I mentioned earlier, around the competitiveness from pretty much first down to to eighth really there it was anyone sort of year this year in the MPL men's competition uh, obviously there were a couple sides that struggled but other than that it was very competitive and it made the season what it was just action packed exciting drama twist and turns you didn't know what to expect and Nick what we saw in particular was with five rounds left any one of those eight teams could have gone on to win the premiership. Uh, it was fantastic the way this bottleneck happened. And, and to be brutally honest, I'll give you a perfect example. Doing research for games every single week, you look at the final how many weeks of the, the season, and one team I was looking at was RPI Leichhardt, and I'm thinking, this is the best run home they have got because they basically had every game at home except playing Sutherland away, which is really a gimme game. And they won that, of course. We'll get to the farce of being there for about three hours at uh, Seymour Shore and then working out, oh, the pitch is too wet when uh, (laughs) pretty much you could surf on it for a couple of hours. But we'll get to that later. 
I really thought Arpia, and, and, and I will put the burden to Arpia a bit here. I thought they're going to run away with the the premiership because they had the glorious run home, and they were playing teams they probably should have beat. Now the Olympic game, you can go, oh, look, yeah, you could say that was probably a win for them. That was, should have been a win for them. It wasn't. But the one in particular that I think they were lucky that Sydney FC pulled out of the final day, and that's another story in itself. They played Sydney United 58 in a game that they probably should have beat Sydney United. And I know Sydney United have had a good season in the cup perspective, but in regards to the regular season, they've been really disappointing. And and let's not sugarcoat a sour lolly in that regard. They have been disappointing this season, Sydney United 58. But Arpia should have won that game comfortably. They lost 3-1. And they're a side that's really were one of the disappointing sides in the top five. And as I said, I thought, to be brutally honest, they should have won the competition with five weeks out and they blew the charts. Now, in relation to the other teams in the mix, like we had some of the the, the teams that, you know, every week they, they put results and you're thinking, okay, they're going all right, but are they really going to be premiership contenders? And one of them in particular was Marconi Stallions. I... I'll be honest, until I saw Marconi play the Rangers, I'm going to sort of say they were a bit of a misnomer, right? And then they played, actually, you know what? Let me retract what I just said there. The Rangers game, it was a United game. Because the Rangers game, I thought they were disappointing. It was a draw on that game. Then they beat United, and I thought, okay, maybe they are the real deal. And again, of course, they made their way to the finals, but that was about it. But I've got to be honest, there was only really... Four teams that could have won the competition with five weeks to go, the premiership, we should say, in my mind. And that was Olympic, Manly, Blacktown, and Arpia. With Rockdale being a chance to make the five, and, and Mark Cady obviously being the mix, and, and I thought Sydney FC were going to make, make the five, and that they should have been in retrospect. But there was a lot there riding on it. And, and I think one of the big things is was Blacktown City, not just the fact that they had a good run home, even though they blew their chance to get the Premier's plate, they had something big happening. And that was the signing of one T Major and one D Choi. Now, I think that changed a lot of things. And also, they were the the underdogs in a lot of people's eyes, except in mine. I, I actually was surprised how Blacktown City were thought by others. I actually thought, no, Blacktown City are a side that deserve to be in the five and will will pressure teams. I didn't exactly think they'll win the grand final, but I thought they were going to be a side there or thereabouts. So a lot to talk about. But running around in circles, I want to quickly go back to the start of the season for a brief moment because you said before, Dom, it was easy to say there was eight teams the whole season that were going to win the competition. But... I had of that 10 teams. There was only two teams in my mind I put the red pen through, and that was Northbridge and Sutherland. And the whole debacle of Sutherland over the last couple of years, and, and, and I know I've been very hard on Sutherland, but there's a lot of reasons why. And I obviously know more than I can divulge in regards to the coaching shenanigans that has happened this year in regards to their structural change and who's going to take over next season. But this situation of having a new coach next year, Demir, and, and having Penny Nikas helping out, I don't think it's going to work. And this club has got a lot of problems from the board down. And, and I'm concerned where football is in the shy at the moment, Dom. Yeah, I'm not too sure what's uh, going on down there because I always get a little bit disappointed with clubs that literally have untapped resources when it comes to youth development there's there's that catchment area which in this particular competition they're not they don't really have to compete um you know the next further south is Wollongong really and they've got an un plenty of uh, players to choose from they were you know they've then they just I guess in this trap of like being too good for league one but not good enough for the NPO and it's such a hard thing to break if you don't have the the structure in place to bring in talent to get you to that next stage and provide you that consistency. Well, let's go back to one of the other team that had massive coaching issues and it was, was actually Sydney United 58. Of course, they were the 
the first club to announce a managerial change throughout during the season. That was after the 6-0 thrashing that they copped at the hand of the Sydney FC Youth Academy. Now, I couldn't believe that they would go and drop a coach like that within the space of five rounds into the competition from one bad result. And Nick, as we saw throughout the, the course of the year as well, there wasn't that much difference in the end between the those two teams. The only difference was that one five nil result. Well, we got to go through the whole Joey Haywood situation because it's 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 one that you have to unpack a little bit because I'll, I'll be honest, that wasn't a great result. We know that, but also you had the situation of that game against Northbridge where they were humili- uh, humiliated as well, and not going to sugarcoat that game either because the scoreline was. Eh, it was actually 2-1, then it ended up being 3-2 till Northbridge scored that fourth goal. But it was a situation where they went bang-bang after United had the lead and Northbridge looked unstoppable. And, and and we've seen that quite a bit during during the last couple of years in matches between Northbridge and Sydney United 58. But I, I think you've got to unpack what happened in the lead-up. So United had a decent start to the season. They they defeat Wollongong week one. They beat Sutherland week two. They have a draw against the Rangers week three, which should have been a win. Then they had that Northbridge game. Then they just get over the line against Blacktown City. Then it started to really unravel. And this was a big unraveling. unraveling. They lose to Rockdale. Then they lose to Olympic. So that's 2-0, 3-0. So five goals unanswered. Then they lose to... The next door neighbour, Marconi, 4-2. Then it's that Sydney FC game that was really the game where it's like, okay, we need to make a change and make a change now. And it's a shame because Joey Joey Haywood was trying to do some good things at the club and, and sadly it was just not to be. And uh, now he's no longer at the, the club. So uh, very disappointing situation on that side of things. But, yeah, look, United, it, it, it's hard to tell what's going on on United, okay, because I'll and 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 I'll, I'll admit I I don't pull any punches and I admit everything. I do have a support of Sydney United, and that comes back to the NSL days. That's an upbringing, also the fact I played at the junior club for eight years or thereabouts. So I have a passion for the club, and every time I go there, I think the club's not moving forward now. I, I don't like the movements of the club. I don't like the fact there's there's um, dual interests. And when I say dual interest, I talk about the fact that there is an interest with both United and Northbridge in the same competition because of the MacArthur link to Northbridge, which, of course, somebody at the Sydney United Club does have association with. So this is the, the issue I have. I don't know where the club's direction is, and that is the disappointing fact. Sacking a coach that early, and I know that United supporters are vocal, and they were peeved off, and they wanted him gone that second. He goes the next day, and and I don't think it's right that you let go a coach that way. Yes, they had some bad results, but also the players have to be at the um, the coalface, not just a coach, and and that's the the reality of it. They had an interesting back into the season. They had plenty of draws, games they should have won. The Rangers game, it's a game they probably should have won that game. The Arpia game, should have won that. That loss against Manly, and you were there on that Friday night, and United supporters will say, oh, referees' decisions went against them. But put that aside, that was a game United should have beat Manly on that Friday night at Cromer Park, wasn't it, Anthony? It absolutely was. I mean, Manly honestly never even looked like scoring throughout most of the game. And for Sydney United to botch that game the way they did, they had no one to blame but themselves. And I just really wonder um, if the problem was more was deeper and re- deeper rooted within the playing squad than it was with the coaching stuff. And that matchup was there and plain to see. They weren't they weren't playing for the team; they were playing for themselves. And you know what the other thing is, and he, here's a good example right here, Anthony. You look at the fact that now Matt Sims gone to Manly, and and what he's done this season at Manly has been amazing, right? He's been one of the important players because he's. I'm not going to use the exact words being glue, but he is a senior player that knows how to get a side going and how to support a side. 
They looked very different without Matt Sim this year, United. And to be brutally honest, it wasn't a United side we're used to seeing at times this year. I think uh, Miro Vastelica did a very good job at the back end of the season to get some good results out of them. What will they do next year? How will that change uh, is going to be the big question. I hope there's improvement next year for United. Now, remember as well, this, this is the, the interesting thing. They didn't make the five this year, but they have done well in cup football. My question is, what do you take from cup football this year? Because they've had a great run, a great run in the in the Australia Cup. But what do you take out of that for next season? And how do you put the lessons they would have learned from the cup? That That's going to be the big thing. And if they can actually roll the club forward next season and be a side that will contend for the, the premiership slash championship, depends what they'll call it next year with it being first past the post. But what are they going to be the changes? Because to be honest, United supporters are filthy at the moment because they expect better from their team and they're not getting it at the moment. Well, let's move from one um, aspect of filthy situations to another. And Dom, I'm going to come to you for this one in particular. And it was the last day shenanigans of what was going on, in particular the game between Sydney FC and Mount Georgetown Rangers, probably one of the most disgraceful situations we'll ever see, with Sydney FC requesting the game be changed in terms of its date to facilitate for the fact that a number of their players were going to be away on representative duties and Mount Georgetown Rangers basically going just stonewalling the entire situation. Caruso, you know me. I don't like to say I told you so. I don't like to say <laughs> that I've been talking about this for a very, very long time. But I have. How many times have I got to say it? Why are the junior A-League clubs playing in the second tier competition for football in this country? Stop it. Stop putting them in there. It always ends up being a disaster. Remember when they weren't allowed to get relegated one year? Ridiculous. I'm sick of it. Get them out. Form a ju- Have a junior league like they have in the UK where all the under-23s play against each other. Have that as their own kind of reserve-grade competition, What that means nothing, and it's just training, etc. This is meant to be brought up because, you know, we're going to try and build a national um, football system, right? We can't be having the junior sides in the national football system. Now's the time to remove them. Get them out of there. A-League can have their own under-20s comp and they can run it. MPL shouldn't be harboring this sort of detail because you get things like this where they have to go on representative duties for you know, the under-23 Australia squad or whatever it is, and then they can't play a match on the final day. Yeah, look, I, I really need to agree with you on a few things, but uh, we need to clear up a few things in regards to the final day because it's not just the Australian under-23 situation. There was this farcical thought from Football Australia, and, and, and I have to I have to have a go at Football Australia here for scheduling a Australia Cup tie between FC and Central Coast on the MPL's final day when half the players in the FC side couldn't play in the MPL final day because of that. Now, it is a filthy situation, and and I think it was a disgrace that they could not get a movement or could not work out where to play this final day. And, and of course, at the end, FC had to do the only thing they could do, and that was to declare hurt and not come back. And and it sucks because they would have been in the finals. It was their best season. And Jimmy Van Weeren deserves a lot of praise what he's been able to produce for Sydney FC in this MPL competition. Over the last couple of years, he's done a massive job. Now, I'll go back to what you've said, Dom, because I agree with everything you say. But here's the big problem, okay? First of all, the professional leagues need to have a look at what they're doing with our youth system. We had a thing called the NYL, the Youth League, the Y League, whatever you want to call it. The problem is they thought that it was a joke 
and they end up making it shorter and shorter. And now it's nothing at the moment, and it hasn't come back for the last couple of years. COVID has hurt. Yes, we know that. But it needs to be brought in, and it has to become a regular season thing of at least 20 rounds. Now, here is something, and I've had this discussion with people that used to be associated with an A-League club, and I said, I think this is a terrible thing on the game, having A-League players or having an A-League uh, feeder system. I'm not feeder system, that's not the right word, but having this scholarship program and all that and youth system playing in the MPL, I think that these players should be playing in MPL teams, not playing for a Sydney FC. And the response was, no, this is the way going forward because they'll be in a system and in a system where they'll be looked after. Players will have, you know, everything that the eight-league players have. That's what the um, the players in the MPL, the youth players or scholarship players will have access to. So from training to, you know, the way they look after players, all that, physios, all that. So they say it's good for them. They're in a system all year round. And also, this was one of the, the excuses, and I, I don't like this excuse. If they go and play in a Sydney United or Manly or whatever, then they're going to be um, teared apart by the older players in the team because of, you know, this and that. And, and I think it's an absolute joke. They're absolutely I, ridiculous. I, I, I think for the development of players, they actually need to play with senior players to learn a thing or two, especially with a lot of the ex league players that – that do come back to the MPL. The other thing is too, and Charles Lockingoy is the perfect example. So he was in the, the Sydney FC system, and, and by the way, this is not a, a you know I do I do have to put this out there. This is not a bagging of Sydney FC because the Wanderers are going to be in MPL next year, Central Coast because they've come up from League One, Newcastle of course are going to be in League Two next year, but Sydney FC are the example in this situation, and Charles Lockingoy who was at the club and, and he was going very well in the youth system and in, in, in playing in the, the old MPL too because he was playing against the, the Wanderers when I, I first saw him. And I thought, this kid's all right. Then, you know, he turned 23. The club said, look, sorry, there's no place for you here anymore. So then he's on the scrap heap. He bounced around from a couple of clubs in the MPL system. Now he's found his feet after playing at Sutherland and not playing as well as what he we expect from him. He had a good season at Marconi, got called to a team in uh, in uh, Malta, and now is playing the Maltese competition. Now, okay, the Maltese competition's not uh, something to look at, go, how great is it? But my point is that this is a player that has at least bounced to a point where he can go into a foreign competition, and, and hopefully that will be an exercise into moving to a better European competition. But my point is, the way this current system is, if you're 23 and don't make it in the Sydney FC A-League side, you get spat out. And, and we're seeing it at the moment with 20-year-olds. Zach Sapsud was an example, right? So he's moved from Sydney FC to the Wanderers and it was a mid-season swap to remember. So he's at NPL one week, then playing League One the next week because of the way their contracts do fall on June 30 when there's a season still being played. I, I think the whole thing's far, farcical and... And everything you said, Dom, and I know I'm going the long way around of, of saying it, but the point is it needs to be looked at. And as much as I've, I, I'm okay with them playing the competition, we need to look at the way we're treating players because, as I said, they're getting spun out of the system and then they're so disillusioned that they don't know I where to no go. I have no doubt. But the, I have no problem with the, the young kids playing in the competition. I mean, it's another uh, – this whole argument is could do a whole podcast on it. Um, yourself, my yep. my my gripe with it is that they shouldn't be playing as a as an entity in the or in the team. They should be loaned out to the, to the to the other clubs, and they pay the wages. Agreed. They they should have an, a youth squad because you get to twenty three, right? You can't crack that um, Sydney FC squad. Why can't they be loaned to the uh, the other clubs? The seasons don't even match up anyway, right? Like the A League runs at a different time because it obviously runs alongside the. Um, international uh, competitions over in Europe. So it, 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 there's no hurt for that. Essentially what the, the A-League clubs are getting are just getting a free trial run to throw young, young kids out there to um, get some get some football in before the season starts, which I think then just well, deteriorates from the competition itself. But it's an, another argument for another time. 
Well, there's only one question I need to ask from that, Dom. If we went down that path, then what happens on June 30 when a player's contract has ended and he goes to an, another club and contract, but because he's been already loaned out to an NPL club, how, how, how does that operate? Like it, that That's where we need to look at how we do it. It's it's a really interesting situation. I don't think June 30 is the correct date to use in terms of that because mm. I think the way that the structure, the competition has now been structured in terms of the timing of when they occur, June 30 is not the date anymore. It's almost um, September 1. Correct. Correct. I think it's September 1 they need to move it to. One more thing before we go to our break. Uh, we've spoken about the the expected performances of Sydney Olympic, of Blacktown City, Marconi, Arpia, to a lesser extent, Rockdale and Sydney United. I know I'm going to sound incredibly biased about this, but how about Manly United flying under the radar with the best defence in the competition? No one saw that coming this year. I mean, it's, I'm not too surprised, being that they obviously had... Um... Mr. Griffiths in charge for such a, while, a long time, throughout the most, obviously, for the whole season. Obviously, brought some stability back to the club. You also have to remember, I think the year prior, that was obviously, the, it was the total opposite of what um, they had this season where they were leaking goals left, right, and centre. So it was clearly something that they were going to need to improve on uh, throughout the year um, in term, in, before the season started. And it, it's what they did. They knew they had the talent up front and they had the goals in the Manly, but it was the stopping them that was was the problem. And that's what they brought Adam Griffiths in to do, right? Brought him in and, you know, we had Alan Aganovich on the bench uh, a while back, obviously after their semifinal mm-hmm. win against um, Blacktown. They, you know, he mentioned that, right? You know, some of the work that um, Griffiths had come in and done for um, the club and how it had improved his game. So I'm not all that surprised, but in terms of the results. But yes, did you see it coming at the start of the season? No, probably not. But it's it was a platform for them that they built upon and used to go to the next level. I didn't get the opportunity to call Manly live until grand final day for the radio broadcast that was heard on Triple H as well as live in Hawkesbury Radio Sport. But I've got to say, I was really impressed with Alan Aganovich, the way he was defending it. And look... 2-0, people would say that was leaking of goals in, in some what of a, a way of saying that. But in saying that, I actually was impressed because it could have been more goals because Blacktown were peppering that line and probably probably should have won the game by more if it w- wasn't for players like Oates. I thought Oates had a, a, a tremendous game. And, and Manly, you know, yes, they flew under the radar. There's no question about it. But they definitely didn't after that first game against Blacktown. And that's why I think a lot of people, you know, they're they'll waxing lyrical about the way they played against Olympic. But no, the, the game that should be spoken about is the way they won the Blacktown game because they were down 1-0, a man down 2. Remember, there was a red card given and yet they still won the game 2-1 and they scored the goal in one eighteen and in extra or in injury time of extra time, in what, 121 minute or 122? It was an amazing performance. And as I said, that's where everybody stood bad and go, actually, wait a minute, Manly could win the, the championship right there. And, and considering that it was a big turnaround from four weeks beforehand when they got absolutely slaughtered against Blacktown City. Absolutely. On on um, on back to Manly Day, it was. So uh, what a season it was for NPL. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to go through the rest of the competitions right here on Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM and streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au. Available for download at podcast.com, triplehfm.com.au. We'll be right back. It's time for the crew to catch their breath. We'll be back after this short break. Do you think the government deserves more of your hard-earned money? If not, make sure you talk to Atlas Chartered Accountants. Atlas Chartered Accountants makes sure the money you earn stays in your pocket through legal tax planning strategies, from finding that last tax deduction to tax-effective business structures for asset protection purposes so you can invest in what really matters, your family and business. Visit their website at ihatetax.com.au. Atlas Chartered Accountants. They are dedicated to you and dedicated station sponsors of Triple H 100.1 FM. 
Your local RSL is at the heart of every community and there is none better in the Hornsby Karingai area than the Hornsby RSL. Whether you're planning a major event, dinner with family or friends, or having a quiet night at your local, Hornsby RSL is the place to be. Rediscover what enjoying life is all about with regular weekly events, special entertainment, and some of the best eateries in Sydney, we have you covered for a great night out. As always, drink responsibly. Support the club that supports. Come to Hornsby RSL at 4 High Street, Hornsby, or get in touch on 94777777 and at hornsbyrsl.com.au. The Hornsby RSL, proud station sponsors of Triple H, 100.1 FM. Want to look your sporting best on and off the field? Then make sure you get kitted out with ISC Sport Teamwear. ISC Sport are Australia's leading name in custom sports uniforms with a wide range of sportswear tailored to your team's needs. 100% Australian-owned and fully customisable, ISC Sport cover all four winter codes and cricket, basketball, netball and hockey, as well as training and outerwear, ensuring you look the part when representing your community. As Dom Rizzuto would say, look Sharp and play pretty with ISC Sport. Visit their website, iscsport.com, for more information. ISC Sport, official clothing partners of Triple H 100.1 FM. Streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au. Looking for a fun night out with family and friends? Then come to the hidden gem in the Hornsby Coringai area, The Attic. Located inside Hornsby RSL, The Attic provides all the fun and excitement you can expect from a bowling and arcade bar in an intimate location that ensures a real gaming experience for everyone. With four 10-pin bowling lanes, Australia's first augmented reality bowling experience and a selection of traditional and custom-built arcade games, The Attic is the place to let your inner child run wild. So make sure you book your next night out at The Attic at 4 High Street Hornsby. Call them on 94777777 or book via their website at theattichornsby.com.au. The Attic, part of Hornsby RSL, station sponsors of Triple H 100.1 FM. Welcome back to Splinters, your no-holds-barred sports podcast. Welcome back to Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, triplehfm.com.au and wherever you get your podcasts. We do it all for Atlas Chartered Accountants, The Post, The Hornsby RSL, ISC Sports and Business Plaza. Ethel Caruso back with the spicy chorizo, Dom Rizzuto and our special guest, Nick Kupniak from Hawk FM as we wind up Football New South Wales men's competitions for 2022. We've just finished off NPL. We're now moving on to Football New South Wales League One. And Dom, as we go through this, we all we spoke at the start of the year of Football New South Wales League One being about as difficult to get out of as the AFL Championship. <laughs> well, with the competition structure, it was very easy to get out of, but the competition was no less intense. No, it was an awesome season. Uh this year, and I got to call quite a few games uh, for MPL TV this year, which was uh, a lot of fun. And um, obviously, we now have a great relationship with the Northwest Sydney Spirit um, here on uh, Triple H. So, mate, mate, the Triple H, the Triple H afterburners <laughs> on Northwest Sydney Spirits were in overdrive after the yeah, interview. Absolutely, Red. There's a great uh, little partnership going there, and I'm looking forward to the work and we can do with them next season too. That's um, Simply awesome, especially if they manage to put in some sort of grandstand to call from and not from the other side of the pitch. Happening. <laughs> happening. Happening. I'll tell you more about yeah, that later. Very nice. Oh, I like the, yeah, we, I've heard the rumours, but uh, I'm yet to see it, that's for sure. <laughs> but we're looking forward to um, what might come of uh, um, Christie Park. Um, but what what a incredible um, season uh, in the uh, New South Wales Football League One. Um, real good quality the three, four sides that are going up, I think will be an excellent addition to the uh, MPL next year. Northern Tigers, unlucky not to make it in the end. I'm not too sure how they capitulated. We called a game um, uh, on the Triple H uh, in the middle of the season back when they were top of the table. It was very, very early on and they absolutely walloped the SD Raiders and uh, like 10-0 or something, not so 10-0, like 6-0 that day. Um, but then just fell away in the final few rounds and the uh, four clubs in the Mariners, St. George City, Wanderers and Spirit all making it uh, uh, home with some very, very strong finishes. But 
again, another season where you look all the way down to almost seventh, eighth place where it was, you know, a bit of a bottleneck until the top four sides really ran away with it in the last few weeks of the season. Now, Nick, I know what you're going to say here straight off the bat, and I know you're going to be taking aim in particular at the Northern Tigers and the bottle job that they did following their Australia Cup win against Manly United. Okay. Okay. I I, I have to rip him because you're right about that. Uh, the Good Friday Massacre when they defeated their Steve Raiders 6-0, that was a big win. That came off the back of their first loss of the season against the Wanderers and I actually – actually, sorry, they won that game against the Wanderers. What am I talking about? They won that game 2-1. They gave the Wanderers their first loss of the season. And I'm thinking, geez, the Northern Tigers, they're looking red hot, red hot. Their first loss was on May 1st against Central Coast Mariners. Get ready for this. The week after, they lost to Hakoa 2-1. Then after that, they had a win against Mounties, but anybody could beat Mounties. Then get ready for the next few weeks. They lose to Bonnie Rig 2-0. They lose to Blacktown Spartans 2-1. They lose to St. George City 3-2. They get a win against Hills, then a draw against, uh, against St. George FC, then a draw against the Wanderers, then the, lo- the losses start to come. They lose to Spirit 2-0, Mariners 2-1, and that's when we start to see the fall of the Northern Tigers. The week after, they got a win on the Tuesday night. They had a catch-up game against the SD Raiders. They won 1-0. But the reason why we're going to round 20, it's very important here because they had to win the game against Hakoa to keep somewhat of a hope alive to make the, the final four. Because remember, they were in the five. There was no issues there. But to make it into the four that would go up to the MPL men's competition, they lost to Hakoa 1-0. Hakoa had half their squad out because either they were skiing or went overseas because Hakoa have become a vacation club, that, <laughs> a situation where they just let players go whenever they want because it's like it's part-time. Uh, yet Northern Tigers lost. And and, and I I wonder what their um, – what – their plan is because you know you hear it from a few people, and this is this is not. I don't think it's true, but this is what you hear: the rumor and scuttlebutt that they don't want to be in the MPL competition because they don't have a ground suitable for it, and that would mean they have to play elsewhere because North Taramara is a dive at the moment for MPL competitions. Well, MPL men's because for some reason we have a different ruling for women. Something I would like to talk about later on because I think that's a farce too. But the situation is the Nor- the Northern Tigers. Again, bottled a great chance to be in the MPL. And if it is, like, I don't believe the rumours, but if it is true that they don't want to be in MPL because of uh, venues and all that, well, then tell everybody and then we can work out what competition you're suited to be in because we can't afford to have a team that doesn't want to be into the main competition when you can be challenging on something. As I said, I hope it's not true, but these are the rumours you do hear from time to time. But the Northern Tigers had a good season, I think, for the most part. Ali Brown was terrific. Karaguchi was terrific. You can you can mention a lot of players, but, you know, I don't necessarily believe those rumours. And you know why I don't believe in those rumours? Because I spoke to Jack Fulton after the Spartans game, right? Had a chance to level up. He's missed the pen. You want to know what the words were? Absolutely. I go, what went wrong? He goes, I effing stuffed it up. So so he 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 was very passionate. So as I said, that's why I don't buy in those that, that criticism. But to lose games against Spartans and Arcoa this year is the concern. Like you, you should be winning those games and winning those games well. And I look at that Arcoa side, it was a weak inside that night, and they they defended their hearts out because North, North, I said in the commentary, right, because I called that game that night and I came up with two absolute beauties of lines. This one, Anthony, I know you would appreciate so much. Go I ahead. said in the call, North Taramara, uh, sorry, North Taramara, the Northern Tigers can't buy a goal. There's more chance of Scott Morrison being re elected in the next election in 2024, 2025, than the Northern, Tor- Northern Tigers scoring tonight. Mate, it, it was just an absolute tragedy what was <laughs> going on with the, with the Northern Tigers. 
but let's let's move on from there. Move on from there very quickly. A couple of um of a couple of very big mentions here. A couple of very out very strong performances, and to, we often talk about the players from FNSW one coming up if they've made a big name for themselves and then doing a decent enough job in NPL. And Dom, two players I wanted to highlight in particular, Emmanuel Gonzalez from the Blacktown Spartans and Lachlan Bayless from the Central Coast Mariners. Emmanuel Gonzalez is very, very good. I think he's too good for the New South Wales League one game. Every time he played, when I, the games that I called him and I got to call Blacktown a couple of times this season, um, he made a a big difference to that Blacktown side going forward. I think perhaps he doesn't fit the style of play that they tried to p- produce this year. Very, uh, I would say, structured play Blacktown brought to the table this year. Try to hit teams on the break. I think he much suits uh, you know getting on the ball a little bit more uh, instead of trying to play on the counter. Well, obviously, he works on the counter too because of his pace and his finish. But I think... Getting him more involved in the games is what the the Blacktown side need to do a little bit more because he is their star star power. He's got Henry Lamberton up front as well, who had a a, a pretty decent season too. Um, but he could definitely find himself in an NPL side um, next year. Uh, as for Bayless, I'm look, I'm not too um, across his season, um, but judging by the way the Mariners played, um, and I, I did see a couple of these games, he was. Again, someone that you'd probably earmark for a Central Coast Mariners debut in the next year or two. Before we finish off on this on this competition, a quick mention, obviously, of the Australia Cup, Nick, and the run from Northwest Sydney Spirit. What they've done this year has just simply been incredible. And the culmination of two, three years of hard work to bring really three part, separate entities together into one they're all aligned as one, and it's paying dividends at Christie Park. Some people would have said that they had the the easy semi-final tie because they played Wollongong United, no relation to the Wollongong Wolves. This is a team in the Illawarra competition, Wollongong United. But in saying that, Wollongong United, they did themselves proud, and Spirit had a fight on their hands, and they were able to win and win well, and then... They came to the final, and and I honestly thought they were well a chance to win because I saw them the week before their final regular season match, and they absolutely spanked hills. And it was the first real chance I had to see Spirit in front of my eyes, and I thought, geez, this is a, a really good side. I was I was really impressed with the way Spirit won that game, and I'm thinking, okay, they they might they could they could win you know, the competition. They didn't win the comp at the end, but they impressed me with the, the Waratah Cup victory and a couple of players in particular. Brian Jambo, I think he's a very good player. I, I really like the way Jeffrey Lino has played this season with the club. Uh, Grant Cornwell, we know what a star he can be. Richard Darko as well. But Otakura, how good he is. You can name all of that squad and they just impress you. And, and another one that came off the bench that night, who I, I think had a, a terrific season as well, Louis Bazanich. So, look, I, I look at I look at uh, the Northwest Sydney Spirit side, and I think, great year by them. I think that victory on Waratah Cup final day was amazing. And what that serves, anybody that has made the suggestion that they're going to be easy beats next season, and they'll be pushed back to League One, I hope they can jam it right up there, clacker after that result in the Waratah Cup final. Because to me, that proves next year they will be a good side in the competition. Will they be a top six? No. Will they be a team circling around that uh, 8 to 12 mark? Potentially. I think that's where they're going to end up for first season. But I think it's going to be a good year for Spirit next year. And just watch out because they're going to put some surprise victories on against certain teams. And teams in particular, watch out Arpia, watch out Olympic, because I think Spirit can give you a run for your money. There you go. I said it now. Beautiful. Let's move on to Football New South Wales League 2. And, of course, what we're going to be seeing with the reshuffle, Dom, is that while the top four teams for Football New South Wales League 1 are moving up to NPL, the top eight teams from League 2 are now going to be moving up to League 1, making that competition the 16 teams that it was going to end up 
But this was a runaway in the end in the league for the Inter-Lions, only for MacArthur to then win the grand final from fifth place. <laughs> I mean, an interesting one, isn't it, when you uh, dominate the regular season and then have to try and get yourself up for the finals too um, and see it off. And it's it's interesting because in football, that doesn't happen, right? We have so many cup competitions and league competitions that usually going through to the grand final, and obviously we're getting rid of that process at this particular level um, next year. It, it would have been difficult for them to get up and the season's kind of over. They've done what they needed to do. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, they were in the league one last year, weren't they? Um, when Yeah, they got relegated. They relegated and, you know, and... Again, another side that's probably on that <laughs> that mark of like being too good for the uh, League Two, but not a good enough for League One. So they really needed to make a statement, didn't they, and 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 get themselves up into uh, the next division alongside the next Central Coast team. Uh, God, how many teams have they got in these competitions? There's another argument for another day too. Good to see though my uh, my local stomping ground, uh, Dulwich Hill, are into the. Uh, and next uh, competition, they've got a great ground over at Arlington, actually. Um, I play there from time to time. Great facilities there. A um, lot of fun. I actually uh, hilariously have a great story about how I was in goals against the junior Inner West Hawks uh, on a Friday night training session. Um, I was definitely put to shame by a couple of 15-year-olds, that's for sure, when standing in goals. But uh Great to see that um, we've got a couple of friendly teams coming up into the next division and uh, more opportunities potentially to give some radio calls. What a, what form it was as well, Nicholas, by the uh, the MacArthur Rams. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think they won at least nine straight to make to win the grand final. The comeback kids is what they're being called, and let's let's explain this because Inter Lions with. Nine minutes on the clock. We're leading 1-0. 1-0. And then MacArthur scored the goal in the 82nd. And then in the 91st minute, the the goal that sealed the deal. And uh, if you uh, haven't seen that goal yet, jump on the MPL.TV and uh, watch and listen to Nikola Bosner lose his brain. (laughs) He was that excited. Not some guy on on MacArthur radio. (laughs) No, 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 no. No no names that factual there. Uh, But... Being serious, it was a very, very good performance by MacArthur back into the season. And it's important for them to go up because now that they go to League One, what it's going to show is they are the, the true team of MacArthur. And I know that, oh, well, uh, you know, MacArthur Rams or MacArthur FC a little bit saying that. Uh, and. And I mean MacArthur Bulls, not MacArthur Rams. It's easy to call them MacArthur uh, Bulls, but MacArthur Rams. I'm going to err them a little bit because, look, let's be honest. MacArthur Rams have been the livestock of that that area for a long, long time. And now that they're in the league in League One next year, they, you know, they're going to really lift that area even more so because. Let's be honest, next year Northbridge do rebadge to MacArthur. Apparently, that uh, is being finalise that they will rebadge and be called MacArthur outright next year, not Northbridge. Still play United Sports Centre, I think. But anyway, that's a, another story for another time. But, you know, you're going to have the true MacArthur team and they're going to have the the corporate team. And, uh, you know, a lot of people will be supporting these MacArthur Rams. And, you know, in a couple of years, I could see them. I, I know fifth on paper doesn't look great, right? They just snuck in a lot of people's eyes. But... I think in a couple of years, they'll be in, in the NPL competition. I, I don't think they drop back next year. Put it that way. I don't think they go back to League Two in 2024. I think they'll be mid-table next year in League One. There you go. One to keep an eye out for in particular. We now move on to FNSW3, which will now be round up into the NFSW2. And, Nick, this is your competition um, in a way, given the work you've been doing with Hawkesbury City and why don't you give us a quick rundown what happened? Well, this is one of the amazing stories. Hawkesbury never played a home game this year. They never played a game at Benson's Lane because it's 40 foot under with rain. And I think still they're trying to get all the water out. Uh, this is a club that had to travel around the globe to get the games. Uh, players that were 
stuck, couldn't go to training, couldn't get to game, some of them. Uh, the coach, Dean Burtonshaw, had to go from – he lives around that carriage on area. He had to go up to go down, back to the city. So he had to drive all the way to Bell, then do the left, then go down the Great Western Highway and head towards uh, the uh, venue. Uh, I'm just trying to think where it was for the first week of the season. It was at um, – uh, Fraser Park, had to travel all the way to Fraser Park in the city. Luckily, the next morning they had um, sat there, so he, he booked a hotel. But had to travel nearly three hours to get to a venue on a Friday because he couldn't go the conventional way because of the floods. And that's what a lot of players had to suffer this season. It was amazing. They had to train at either Wanderers Football Park, Blacktown City Sports Centre, or VSP during the year, which the clubs have looked after them. Football New South Wales have looked after them in that regard. It was a nightmare this year, and to make the finals, that's an achievement. Okay, they lost that game against Prospect, but you know what? They were running on really tired legs. But you know, you know who's really been a big spark for that uh, Hawkesbury side, and 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 I always will say Daniel Schwartz is a big sparky, great goalkeeper. But Craig Morley, he's he's now starting to really show potential, and he's been keeping at times during the season, and at times has kept Schwartz around. Schwartz, I don't know if he'll come back next year. Uh, the big question will be how he, he copes with injuries, but he's over the age of forty now, so it's, he'll be reconsidering soon, obviously. But he might have one or two seasons left, maybe. But I need to get to one play in particular for Hawkesbury that has been the booster for everybody. His name is Pedge Bowich. Now, Pedge Bowich, his oh, A-League no experience, his A-League experience has helped so much. He looks like a size of a couple of units now. But in saying that, he, you know, he's sparking the team on. He, here's a story for you. So he got he, he got five yellow cards. So he had to miss the final game of the regular season. No word of a lie. He was on the other side of the ground in his uh, civilian clothes on the school board side of Valentine Sports Park on the housing estate side of the ground. And he was yelling at the team. He was Every time the ball went out, he was quickly throwing the ball back into play, making sure they got the ball, blah, blah, blah. It was, it was amazing on that aspect. But he has been the guy that, you know what, he's really bought into the Hawkesbury culture. Some people are a little bit shocked when he, he made his move to Hawkesbury, going, oh, how long he's going to be there? Well, you know what? He's going to be back next year. He wants to be a part of the club, and they all want to be part of the club. So that's great. Now, in relation to Newcastle, great season by them. But it was expected for them to win the premiership and the championship. Nepean, though, they should be congratulated on what they were able to produce. They were another good side this year. So we are starting to see some really good football. And you know what? This League League 3 now, League 2 next year competition is going to be sensational to watch. And, and I do recommend to get to a game or two and see this competition because somebody was asking me, oh, how bad is that level League 3? And I've gone, no, 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 no. It's not bad. It, it's If you want to use a rugby league term, it's probably a step better than what the Sydney Shield is. That That's the way to recommend it. And, and it is a very good competition. And I think next year you'll see some teams doing well. And I think Hawkesbury will be on song to pee. And Newcastle will be interesting how they go. I think they'll be very good next year. But, yeah, look, one thing I will say, get on TV, watch the goals of that grand final that Newcastle scored. The first goal, uh, Kachev, he scored from about 35 yards. Yeah, you go, oh, yeah, it's not. But I wax lyrical saying it was better than Panny Nikas. And Panny Nikas did that on halfway. But the reason why I said that was he was on an angle and he was a left footer kicking on the left side of the pitch. Now, Tom, what does that mean? If you're a left footer kicking on the left side of the pitch, you have to make sure that it's going to have to hit the right of the bar, right? If you are going to get it to the top corner. Well, he was able to do that and do that with absolute skill. And and that needs to be talked about. And then the second goal that was scored was a header by a captain off a brilliant corner. So there's some players in that competition I'd recommend to watch next year. The only thing left to really discuss is going to be what's going to happen with the structure next season. As we said, it's four divisions down to three. Each of the, the two top divisions will have the full complement of 16 teams. We do have one problem, though. 
and it is that if the next NFNSW2 competition at this stage will have 15 teams, which means we're on the hunt for another club to fill that gap. Gentlemen, first question is, do we know of any clubs that are dropping out? And do we know of any clubs that could make the jump and fill in that gap? Well, I mean, where do you begin? I mean, there's definitely some clubs that could, and then there's definitely some clubs that couldn't. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I think one of the things that I think is great about removing this kind of finals setup is is that it's really going to give us a great indicator into where teams actually sit in terms of whether or not they can be competitive in the league each and every season. And they will find that there will be a lot of fluctuation between similar teams um, over the course of the next few seasons. But I think it'll provide that excitement and that competitiveness uh, more more so than ever before. And we'll probably see seasons like this um, happen over and over again. Okay, you've danced around the question a little bit. Um, so I'll, I'll answer it, okay, Dom? Um, <laughs> look, basically, my my hearing, and again, the rumblings, I hear a lot of the rumblings. Uh, maybe it's because it's my stomach half the time. But uh, being serious, I, I am hearing the Ponds are one team maybe coming into the competition in, in that League 2 level. I, I've heard there might be a team potentially from the edge of the mountains that could be a springwood i don't know look that that's all scuttlebutt but what we need to see and and look at the teams that will be in that competition next year so out of um the league two teams that stay in league two as such it's gladesville sydney uni bankstown and into uh, into Hawks or into City Hawks, inner West Hawks, whatever Stanmore. you want to call it. Stanmore. Stanmore. The old Stanmore, right, which is disappointing where Stanmore is at the moment. Then the other clubs are Newcastle and Apeen, Hawkesbury University of New South Wales, Prospect, Hurstville, Camden, Fraser Park, South Coast, Parramatta, Western Rage. Now, what is missing from those 15 teams we've named? What is missing right there, Anthony? For mine, it would be... The, the, there's one team in particular I remember used to compete in the competition. It was uh, MSC Liverpool, the old Moorbank. Yeah, but I, I, I think what's missing there in that league is a team in the North Shore. Now, I, I don't know if there would be a team willing to come up, but I think we need to see that because, to me, I see a lot of Western Sydney, Southwestern Sydney teams in that competition. Yeah. And, and I think... If it is true the Ponds come in, that's another Western Sydney side in the competition. I I, I think it, it is too much on that aspect and and it sort of geographically makes it a West or a South competition because you have got, of course, teams like Hurstville, University of New South Wales. Yeah, that's more city, but, you know, what I'm trying to get at there. And then you also have, you know, South Coast flame as well. So I just wonder what they're going to do, who comes in. Yeah, more bank will be nice. Maybe the old AC United can oh come God. back. Um, oh, AC United. Yeah, wow. We can bring them back. Uh, but I, I don't know. I, I really don't know what, what they're going to do. Well, the situation is, for those who don't understand why there was 11 teams this year, Western New South Wales, Mariners pulled out well, that thing wasn't working and it wasn't working for a few years to the point where, and I don't even know if anybody knew this was the case, but they actually had a team for the Central West and a team playing in the games in Sydney. <laughs> so they had two lineups effectively yeah. because, you know, the travel. And, 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 and as much as the idea had nice premise, it just wasn't going to work. And and I know people will go, oh, but, you know, you've got a South Coast team and you've got a Newcastle team. Well, first of all, the Newcastle team in the competition are actually an A-League club. So they can actually handle the the, um, the situation of running around every week, going all to Sydney every couple of weeks. But Western New South Wales, a lot of them were working. South Coast, remember, it's not that long. Their, their longest travel is actually a Hawkesbury game, which really – that that's an hour and 40. So it's not a big travel when you think about it. So 
to me, I think whatever happens next year, whoever that team is, we just hope they're competitive and can actually uh, do well in football New South Wales competitions. That, that's all we're hoping for. That's all we want to see. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is full time here on Splinters. What an episode it has been to wrap up Football New South Wales men's for the season 2022. I want to thank our panelists here. First off, Dom Rizzuto, thank you so much for joining us. You'll be back with us in a couple of weeks to wrap up the women's competition. Looking forward to it, Bull, and uh, thank you for your time tonight. Absolutely. Nick Kutnyak from Hawk FM, thank you so much for joining us. Enjoy the rest of the sporting winter to come. Yeah, thank you for letting me uh, blubber around for an hour. And uh, apologies, Dom. I think I was doing most of the talking. (laughs) I didn't expect anything less, mate. (laughs) Uh, Yes. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is full-time here on Splinters, the Bench Podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com and uh, triplehfm.com.au and wherever you get your podcasts, we do it all for Atlas Chartered Accountants. The Post, the Hornsby RSL, ISC Sports and Business Plaza. On behalf of Dom Rizzuto and Nick Kutnyak, I'm Anthony Caruso. Run hard or run home. Good night. Thank you for joining us for Splinters, your no-holds-barred sports podcast. You can also find us streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcasts.com and all good podcast and streaming sites.